Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, so we are back. We are back in the foundation. This is another Black Coffee, a very special one. We have uh, what I always refer to as a very cool big homie. Uh, Kari Frazier here with Frida Sampson and Reverend Stevens. Reverend Shahira Stevens is here and she's brought brought books and knowledge that she's written about her life and her journey uh, that is was a healing process for her but so many others as well. Um, When you think of kind words uh, most times you're on social media and you're looking for kind words, any inspiration, um, and faith, good spirit, it's always warm. Reverend Stevens is gonna deliver that. <laughs> As we met through uh, my, my godmother but after her passing in Orthea Barnes, mm-hmm. who was also full of a lot mm-hmm. of warm heart. Say her name. You know, and yeah. that's how it is. I think cool people are connected to cool people. Yes, you indeed. Know? So, um, <laughs> How are you feeling today? I feel great today. I do. All right. And we're going to be talking a lot about leadership uh, from the perspective of being a woman uh, in roles of (laughs) influence that are generally male-dominated. So I think some of this will be in church. It'll be in school. It could be in politics. It can even be in families. Yeah. As uh, I definitely feel in the Black community Uh, All families are very matriarchal, but it's still sometimes with a lot of patriarchal say at times. uh, If it's around. Yes, if it's around, if it's around. So um, being that you have a life uh, where you've been uh, involved and had levels of influence with so many people's lives um, and seen a lot of these uh, positions of influence and you've embraced them, um first what courage do you think it takes um for for women to to embrace that a and then b following up and just embracing those roles following through even if it's uncertainty about how it will be received just because people do uh judge women completely different than they would men yeah well as i grew up um you know how they ask little kids what you're going to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. So when I was about nine, that was the question. Okay, what are you going to be? And I said, oh, I'm going to be a minister. Because I saw one woman that came to the Baptist church that spoke. And when I saw her speak, I, I, something within me said, that's, that's for you. That's for you. But when I said it, my grandfather, who was a deacon at the mm-hmm. church, and my grandmother, who was a deaconess, looked at me and they said, daughter, no, that's not what you're going to do. Because women, women don't preach. That's mm-hmm. not what women do. But it stayed in my mind and it stayed in my heart. And when I came to Detroit, my first visit to Detroit in 67, I went to a couple churches and there were women that were the pastors of those churches. And it was like, okay, so women can. So it that came alive when I came here, when I could see that women were doing it. But then going into it, you know, a lot of men, I've gone into a lot of churches where I could not speak in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Huh. 
And that ain't been too long ago. As in like, <laughs> it was like last week. It could have been last week. Last weekend. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so let's talk about that. 67 was the year that you came to Detroit. Where were you coming from? New Jersey. So from Jersey to Detroit. Yeah. So you, you basically almost traveled like around, uh, was this around the time it was the rebellion happening here and in New Jersey as well? Well, definitely the riots had happened here because mm-hmm. I was, you know, they're getting the tour and looking at all the bullets over on LaSalle and Lothrop and over in that area, mm-hmm. you know. So so <laughs> what brought you to Detroit, though? My cousins, they used to come, you know, I'm from the country with the cows and everything, and they're coming down every year with these big Buicks, <laughs> <laughs> and they're dressed to the nines. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to come. And when I came here and I saw how black people were living mm-hmm. in big homes, and I went on 12th Street and saw those uh, Hughes barbecue and the, the different businesses okay. that black people owned yeah. and the cars and they had the clothes to match the cars and the shoes. Mm-hmm. I knew I belonged in Detroit. Amen. It was not like the countryside. <laughs> it, it was, was nothing like... like I'd ever seen. It wasn't Philadelphia. I had relatives in Philly. Mm-hmm. I had relatives in New York. Mm-hmm. But it was something about how black people lived in Detroit that really attracted me, and I wanted to be here. Hmm. So my cousins let me live with them. Okay. I got mm-hmm. a job as a secretary. Mm-hmm. What uh, what what place were you working when you got here as a secretary? I worked at Kerwood Mental Health Clinic oh, on wow. Davidson. Oh, okay. Yes, Davidson. Uh, before you get between Brawley, between like Dexter and Livernois. Yeah. Yes, I know exactly. Yeah, what you're okay. yeah, and it was black owned. Yep. Uh, what's his name? Is that is that the place? It's uh, a, a black doctor that owned Kerwood mm-hmm. Hospital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, over <laughs> uh, there, yeah. and mm-hmm. then I. Uh, see, the other thing growing up, I was told that I wasn't college material. Mm-hmm. Huh. My, uh, at seven, in seventh grade, the counselor said, you, so from a test, you are not college material, so you need to get really good secretarial skills. So I did. But yeah. here's the thing. When I got the job and my boss traveled, I realized I could do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then I got another job at American Airlines and when they left, I knew that, okay, here's your opportunity to go back to school. Okay. So huh. I went back to school having two small children. Wow. And What's, got my degree at Wayne State. Wayne State. And uh, what did you study at Wayne State? Mass communications. Oh, okay. But because, not to, not to, not to speak, mm-hmm. I, I studied it because I had a very difficult time expressing myself. Okay. That's why I took communications. Okay. So to get the skill sets. Yeah. Okay. Now, Wayne State, as we know, just socially in Detroit has had a, um, let's say, uh, very interesting, colorful, or tumultuous past (laughs) with black folk, Mm -hmm. depending upon uh, the era and the snapshot you want to take. Yeah. Uh, What was Wayne State like when you were attending? Well, because because I was a a mother Mm -hmm. with two kids. Mm Uh, I had a mindset. I knew I had to go up in there, get get whatever. I, I, I wasn't there to play, and I wasn't there for no popularity contest. Right. I was a grown woman. I had two kids. Yeah. So it really didn't matter. I, there was some racist things going on, but I couldn't stop to, to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I had to do what I had to do to get out of there. Mm-hmm. That was, my, that was how I was focusing. Okay. So it's almost like I, I may say maybe I didn't really know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't there for that. Right. That wasn't my focus. Mm-hmm. So uh, I understand why you came. Why did you stay? 
Because I got married. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, got and, married, had my kids. And so. And I loved it. And I still love and it. You still love it. I still love it. This is my place of choice mm -hmm. because I could go anywhere. But it's my place of choice. And even as I am looking at whatever retirement's going to look like, I'm always going to be doing something. But I know that nine months out of the year, it will be here. Mm -hmm. It's something about the people here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been all over the world too. But you don't have the connection. You know, I tried to go to Atlanta and and think that maybe that would be a place for me. There's not the spiritual community connection there mm -hmm. in my mind. Okay. I don't I haven't found it. Okay. I haven't found it in Philly. I haven't found it in New York. I haven't found it in Chicago. So when you talk about some of that spiritual connection, do you remember who some of those uh, the women that were pastors when you first came here? Do you remember any of those women by name? Well, there was a little, there was a, a, a small church on the north end, and this lady's name was Willie May Epps. Huh. And my mother-in-law used to go. It was a small church, but she used to go there twice a week, and I would go there with her. So that was the beginning, mm -hmm. that it was a small little church, Willie May Epps. And then um, there was a woman that, she was the pastor of Russell Street. I, don't, I forgot her name, um, but she was very dynamic. Okay, in 67? Or, uh, maybe it was in the seventies. Okay, yeah, kind of, I, I don't know remember. Anthony Campbell, Dynamo Campbell. Was it? Do you, you kind of know the lineage? It was Dynamo, and then it was his son Anthony, and so and I know now. Of course, there's Dee Dee uh, Coleman, who's pastor there, but um, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure the name. What about Martha Jean? Very much influenced by Martha Jean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, at five o'clock in the morning, I would get up so that I could be strengthened and encouraged. I would listen before the kids would get up. I would listen to her, then I would be ready. I'd wake them up, I was ready for my day. Yeah, yeah. I have to tell you, she was um, larger than life for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, figuratively, literally, she was a, 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 a statuous woman, right? I yeah. Mean, in, in her own right, but just her presence and her energy, when she walked into a room, um, you knew she was there. And, yeah. And, and, and you waited with bated breath to hear what, what it was that she'd have to say and hope you weren't at the end of that rap. <laughs> yeah, I think um, her influence throughout Detroit has changed Very the way positive. that, um, I mean, and then in business too, because oh, sure. many businesses uh, that she owned, but it definitely has changed the way that uh, radio stations look at influencing and mm -hmm. providing someone with influence like that access to airwaves like yes. she had. Yes, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You know. Um, and so I think that a lot of families were able to survive because of her because remember how she would say when the pay was going, when people were going to get paid yes. or whatever? Yes, And, you know, they would bring that money home. I mean, it was like, don't go out and blow your money. You have a family. So she instilled the family values and how important it is for the family. Yeah. She was she was kind of Detroit's matriarch yeah. for a season. For yeah, a she was. Of time. Yes. Um, and and I hope at some point we circle back and give her the due that she has certainly deserved in in the archives of our history of yes. our story. So, um, were there other were there other women that uh, are there contemporaries now that you look upon and you are you're proud of or you. Uh, are, are learning from or you mentor any of those places <laughs> well the, of course there are a lot of people that I mentor uh, Johnny Coleman oh, wow. uh, out of Chicago huge yeah. influence in my life she was the first 
uh, African-American person, period, to graduate from Unity, you know. And then she opened, then she started her own association with churches all over the world. And I love Johnny uh, because, and, and the teachings because we always felt like this was our answer as black people. Okay, right now in this country, the inequities are race, gender, and wealth. Mm -hmm. Race, gender, and wealth. And so if we, as we awaken to who we are in spirit, we go beyond race. We go beyond race because we know we have this black skin, but we are spirit. And when we know that we are spirit, a whole lot of things can happen. Sure. And this is what I said. We lost that, you know, coming out of Africa, coming over here, uh, even losing our spiritual, our African culture, which is very spiritual. Mm -hmm. That's the mm -hmm. thing that really kept us. Mm -hmm. And then the gender piece, uh, the scripture that says in, in Christ, you're neither male nor female. You're neither Gentile or Jew. So spirit again, you move past that. You move past that. Not to say that other people are going to agree with it, but I'm talking about you getting it as an individual and getting it congruent within you. That's what's going to make the difference in your life, period. Mm. And then wealth. A lot of people think wealth is just about getting five jobs. You know, but you can get five jobs and you can be bankrupt in your family. You can be bankrupt in your health. Right. Who's the source? Is is God the source? Is a higher power the source? So I'm saying I still think I think these problems are spiritual problems. That's deep. Yeah. As you as you talk about spiritual problems and uh you were touching on back to Africa. <laughs> Um, this leads to something that's been heavy in, and, and I know some writing's gonna come from Frida about this. Have you seen the movie Black Panther? Yeah. Okay, so we can talk a little bit about this so it opens oh, up good. the door. But I need to see it again, because it was heavy. Yes. It's yes. a lot that I, it was so, so much. So, so what was your takeaway in particular about the women in, in that role? I'm really uh, excited about how women were portrayed, but I'm, I'm interested in what your thoughts were. I just felt like that was so wonderful that they could let their courageous selves be expressed. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I felt yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the sense of aesthetic, and, and Kari and I talked about this last week, mm -hmm. um, the joy I took away, both of us women with uh, a certain length of hair, right? I, I, the joy I took away with seeing these strong African feminine, beautiful women redefine beauty or define it yes. in a way that is appropriate and aligned with our spirit and, and spiritual self. Yes, right? yes. Um, to see the kind of strength and courage, not being angry, not not you know being anything other than who they just owned who they were for who they were. Yes, right? see that spoke. Yes. That spoke, it, it spoke out of their pores. It did, powerful. Yes. Do you think that that can have an impact on on our young women today? And and yes, um, what 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 direction or advice or guidance would either under under the the scope of Black Panther or just in your own experience generally do you give to young women women now as they try to find themselves? And I know your book has been a, a huge influence on people's lives, but 
That you, didn't, you know, you know, know yourself. Okay, this comes out of see again, stolen legacy. Uh, so much that we knew about our culture. Knowing your when we when you were born, you have a blueprint, mm -hmm. and your purpose is in there. So everybody that comes here has a purpose. But if you listen to this, the Bible, they'll tell you that to study who you are through astrology or whatever is satanic. And really, it's evil that they would separate you from something that is going to really help you to know yourself. Mm -hmm. So I really work on helping people to find their purpose. And a lot of times, people's purpose is birthed out of their pain. When I look at a lot of organizations, even in NACP, uh, that, that was birthed out of a necessity of a, some painful stuff that was going on. Mm -hmm. Hospice, mm -hmm. birthed out of... Uh, somebody losing a loved one who wanted the next person to die with some dignity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my, really what I do is birthed out of pain mm -hmm. because I grew up in an abusive family. And my father was abusive. He was abusive to my mother. So as a little girl, I had made up my mind, like my mom had five kids and in her mind in those days, you stay no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. You don't go anywhere. Even back to the Bible, it's against the God to get a divorce, mm -hmm. even if somebody's beating you. Mm -hmm. So I made up in my mind that I was going to be able to depend on myself. So out of that pain, you know, growing up, I've wanted to empower, to empower women mm -hmm. that, you know, not to be against men, you know, right. but to, to be whole so that we can help our men. That's exactly, yes. Yes. We've we've yes. we've always been the ones to help our communities and our societies. Harriet Tubman, mm -hmm. I mean, Sojourner Truth, Ida B. Wells, mm -hmm. I mean Frederick Douglass and everybody else. But we've gotta reclaim, reclaim our spiritual selves and know that we are whole and you know, not get hooked into this outer thing. That's why it was wonderful that they wore their natural hair and they were beautiful because their power and their spirit came on the outside of them. Mm -hmm. Your spirit will dress you up. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it became so evident in that space. I mean, the, the radiance yes. that exuded their pores. I mean, it was just phenomenal. It, it, it consumed the breath of the screen. Yes. Just them being in their state of, of security, their state of spirituality, their, their state of, of, of confidence. Right? Yes. And such an important message. And taking care of each other. And taking care of each other. See, that came out of that movie. That's right. And, and having purpose. Yes. Right? We all need to have purpose. As yes. you said, we, we all have something that we are here to contribute. Yes. And, and, and to do in our lives. And it's birthed out of pain all too often. Yeah. Because uh, pain tends to be what gets our attention. Yeah, it wakes, <laughs> it wakes you up. It wakes you up, makes you say, okay, what's happening right now? Right. Yeah. But but nevertheless, to have purpose. Yes. To have purpose uh, as women. Uh, and, and so transitioning to what you are in your, what you're doing now and, and how you are seen to this city in this in the spiritual light by which you are seeing it um what are the joys and what are the challenges hmm. well it's it's always a joy when you see how someone when you first meet them and how they begin to uh, work the principles and work the laws and you begin to see the change okay. 
you know, because I've seen people, I've seen, I've seen uh, women who um, came off the street as prostitutes, and one of them is working in a very high level position at a very large corporation today. Mm -hmm. That's major. Mm -hmm. You know, finding herself, understanding that my past doesn't equal my future. That just because I was that, that was something I did, but that ain't who I am. See, it's back to that identity. That's a huge thing for us. In, in that same identity, as people say, you know, the hurt people hurt people. Um, and then when you're in a level of like hurt and acceptance, even when you know it's wrong or, or it may be bad for you, it's like a level of comfort that yeah, you start you hold on developing. To it. Cause it's what you've known, like you know, like some of the things and some of the behaviors. It's it's like okay, this shouldn't be normalized. I was telling a, a, a I was uh, talking about because I'm the president of the Northwestern High Schools Alumni Association, and uh, a lot of the people that are at the alumni meetings are like went to Northwestern and you know probably like 66, 65, 68. Just, okay. It was a different. First off, the actual school was a different location. Right. Mm -hmm. But the resources allowed to the school were a different location. But, you know, so they, they remember a different Northwestern. But, like, so I would go to Northwestern and it'd just be, like, some of the conversations and some of the things going on around. And it was like, man, some of this is, like, a survival mechanism. So I may not necessarily be learning algebra right now, but this long conversation about, like, you know, um, vividly I remember – the students were talking about, you can look at somebody's hands and tell what drugs they're using. Mm -hmm. And this is like a weird, like this is a form of education. Yeah, of like, street. Cause yeah, cause like, mm -hmm. you know, somebody walks in Family Dollar one day and they're shouting and then you look at their hands yeah, and it's like, okay, now on. I kinda can know how to maneuver around it. Now, if I live down the street from Northwestern, like one of the number streets the rest of my life, that information may play, probably will play more of a pivotal role in my development than calculus. Indeed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it's still normalized behavior. So, like, how do you take a person away from the comfort that they may even feel in pain? Well, see, it, this is my premise. See, the word educate, it, it comes from educari, and it means you're drawing something that's already in there. See, education, people look at it that you're just giving them all this stuff. and But ed, the real educari means I'm drawing it out. Mm -hmm. the, the, the scripture says it's written within. You know, I lived in, you know, as I said, abuse. We were poor, you know. But even with that, there was something in my mind that wasn't poor. There was something in my mind at 11 years old that told me to be an entrepreneur to get these products out of this magazine and begin to sell them in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it, everybody's not gonna get it, Kari. Everybody's not gonna get this. But there, for those who want it, there are a lot of people who do and there are a lot of people who are willing. And so they have to want it. They have to want, I think that when the student is ready, the teacher really does appear. You know, I'm ready to move on up. I'm ready to get out of here. And we see it, you see it. You know, you work with young people, you can tell who's ready to get up mm -hmm. out of their, their hood. They want something better. They might have gotten it. You know, my uncle was a, a chauffeur and my auntie was a, a maid at a very wealthy white uh, couple's house. 
going on vacations with them showed me another view. You see what I'm saying? And now we got this global view with the internet and everything. Kids are aspiring to do a lot of things because they are seeing a lot of things more than we did. So to move outside of that, it it really has to be the personal decision within you. They got to make a choice. Where it's like, I don't, I no longer want to be in this comfort of pain. Yeah, I've had it. So that's why they say, you know, in the recovery play addiction or whatever, you got to hit bottom. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you're trying to save your, your child or whatever, but at some point you have to let go, stop enabling and let them hit bottom because when they hit, there ain't no place to go but up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you, you said something earlier, and I want to circle back to it, but you, you, you said that you, when you came to Detroit and you saw women pastoring, you were able to re-envision what you could be because you were able to see it. Yeah. So how do we get, that connection I think is, is, is the interruption or the lack of connection right now with so many of our young people with where they are and what they possibly could be, you know, or who they possibly could be is that they don't see it. So how do we begin to, to, to close that gap so that they can see their possibilities in a different way? You don't think they do? I think they do. I see, like I have two daughters, they're millennials, two granddaughters, they're millennials and they're just getting their information from a different place. But when I look at what they're exposed to on social media, Mm -hmm. they're seeing everything. You're talking about up close and personal. Well, no, yes and no. So I I agree that the access to the World Wide Web gives us access to everything, and so we see things. But if we don't know to look for something positive versus something that is unhealthy and, and, and devoid of spirit, then what they're seeing and emulating takes them down a road that is their lesser self. Right? Yeah. So so I guess my question is And maybe how, that's the journey. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's purposeful. Okay, okay. If <laughs> if God really has the plan. Mhm. Huh. It says I know the plan I have for you. You know, sometimes uh I've I've I've, I've sit with mothers who say they are so glad, they were so upset that Raymond had to go to jail, but jail saved Raymond's life. Mhm. So sometimes those walks and those places, they are purposeful too. Uh, um, in hip hop, because I get this discussion <laughs> a lot, just as a rapper, like I think the danger some of some of the information that's presented is the context at which it was it's presented in. Uh, but I do level more so with you, Reverend Stevens. Like I, I think that a lot of this stuff is just not given the framework but even sometimes what the what people paint is quote unquote good you know um like um some of my friends that are that are pastors and reverends like before i started hanging out with them at one point in time i'm like man you're a reverend you're supposed to and then it's like one second but this is still a human being they can interpret the word they can deliver a sermon and they can um lead a congregation but that doesn't necessarily affect their personal behavior, which both of you all may be able to speak right. about this a whole yeah. lot more than I could. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, alcoholism may live in the pastor like it lives in my neighbor, you yeah. know, but yeah. it won't, uh, you know, and they can still be an effective pastor, but that's something that they're personally struggling with. Like, 
But the context, you know, nobody ever really, you know, it's missing a lot, I feel. And that's the danger for a lot of, I know for me, when I was younger, that was the danger in a lot of it. Cause like what was the danger? Because um, <clears throat> you, hear, you hear the story of the drug dealer, but now that I'm 35 and in the same neighborhood, and I know the guy that did sell drugs, and now he's addicted to drugs because, you know, it's in his stream, bloodstream. That's what he's used to. Like, I, I've seen that connection and that flip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then those struggles from addiction and what that causes. And then it starts impacting other people's lives because, you know, now he's making the decision between getting high or giving some money for to help raise my kids. Yeah. You know, so some of those personal decisions affect the lives of many other people, which in reality, maybe all my, my personal decisions have, could affect the lives of many other people. But right. it, it's not, you know, when Jay-Z talks about it, Jay-Z talks about it like, yo, I was selling crack and now, I, you know, I learned enough from selling crack where now I'm on Wall Street and I'm a great business person. And I'm like, okay, that is a one in a 10 billion right. story. Yeah. The reality is you will probably be a whole lot like- exactly the guy that's down the street from me mm-hmm. living with their grandma on house arrest 40 years old you know just striving for like some hustle some something to you know keep them going mm-hmm. you know so that's where I say like the context is like it, it lacks a little bit of context the same way even with uh, what I found most interesting just from the man perspective of the women in black panther was in most stories it's like a romantic or like a sex interest of all women connected to like the hero and that is the like uh catalyst for the hero stepping up but it still like sort of objectifies the woman but Mm -hmm. in black panther that didn't exist i didn't feel like it was i felt even the relationship between because it still was not even clear whether (laughs) it, it was clear that black panther was attracted to the young lady, but mm-hmm. it wasn't clear whether she, you know, she right. saw a situation where it was just for the people of Wakanda for him to leave Wakanda, but it didn't necessarily mean that she agreed with him and was going to be like, no, I love you and everything will be great <laughs> and please live for me. Like that wasn't the story, mm-hmm. but I think the same danger happened in my own interpretation of of relationships and of sex because like the context that it was painted with in the picture even for my family my parents were married for like 30 plus years (laughs) (laughs) it never was like okay you're gonna deal with this and you're gonna deal with that this definitely is worth that but you know like the balance yeah and that's what I know as a child I feel like could have moved me a little bit further from learning lessons, but maybe that's a part of life too. I don't know. I think it is. Yeah, I don't think there's any. No manuals come with us, you know. <laughs> no manuals. And and come and with you us. know, your mom is your mom, and your dad is your dad, and you're you, and whoever you get with is going to be them. So, even if they told you all that, that could be a stumbling block because that's their experience. Mm-hmm. Hmm. True. I think. Going back to Black Panther for a moment, and you have to forgive me because I am not I have not seen it enough times to have all the characters' <laughs> names in play. So, but there was a scene for me that I thought uh, was a powerful scene uh, about relationships between Black men and Black women, uh, and that scene was when they were at war with themselves, 
and it was uh, beyond the halfway point of the movie. They were at war with themselves, and the uh, ca the captain, the commander of the mm -hmm. uh, of the woman who was the commander, was in relationship with the other the young the gentleman, the other the, commander, the other commander mm -hmm. right? You, we knew they were in relationship because there were some glimpses when you mm -hmm. hear them say "my love," right? Mm -hmm. And then when, but at that defining moment when he was taking the charge of war and she was taking the charge to to stop it and and she held that spear to his face and he said my love would you would you hurt me or would you harm me and her response was thoughtful but for her country she would and he paused and then he kneeled and mm. i thought as mm. that Listen, that thing right there, that moment mm -hmm. was, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it was one of those, uh, one of those moments when you like, you breathe in the possibility of relationships between men and women, because he didn't lose any of his manhood, not an ounce of it. She didn't lose any of her womanhood. And what you saw was a, a, a quiet, a silent communication of what love really is. Bowing to the greater light. See, Bowing to the greater light. He, but he's so. But see, here's the thing: when women look at that, though, Kari, we see what what I saw was real manhood. I didn't see the antithesis of manhood. I saw manhood at its finest. Not because he stepped back and and let her, and allowed her to be who she was for the greater good. Yeah, but this is not about us. It's, it's this not is, about this us. This is bigger than us. Oh my goodness, this it's, is bigger than us. Right. Mm -hmm. I just definitely Kari think most men would definitely <laughs> see. Like yeah, we we got to talk to your brothers. To I'm just. Saying. He talked to the brothers for many reasons. That might be true. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about like your work in Detroit and how uh, how you've received Detroit and now uh, the impact. Like, ha has your family first? Let's just start there. Really? Since you've been here and uh, drank in the city, does your family is it like, yeah, you you got some Detroit in you now? Like, how, do they notice the differences in, um, in oh, the swagger? Yeah. Oh my and God, I've been here so long. I'm a Detroiter. <laughs> they yeah. just my family. They they don't look at me as no. They know I'm a Detroiter. Okay, yeah. okay. It's been a long time. So so the the leadership here and then your friends like Mama Barnes and so many others. Like what? Um, let's just talk like in different eras. Cause you've been here for a while yeah uh let's let's talk like 80s 90s like what was that like in uh that collection of uh women that now are um are looking at you know uh passing their lineage down or <laughs> definitely at the at the apex of where they're reaching what was that what was that movement like and then also what's that movement like to see people that like you know are kind of like your homies that you're kicking it with on the weekend <laughs> and now it's like wow you're running blue cross like <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah but you know i think in the 80s is when we thought that women were really going to be rising up mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the 80s mm -hmm. you know um i formed a, a organization called um, black women's empowerment in mm -hmm. the 80s and we used to do monthly Sunday forums at Pullum's Place. Oh, of course. Yeah, because it was Pullum's owned by Place. Two, it was owned by a black couple. Yes, yes. And they, um, you know, they would, women would come in and they would, uh, whatever entrepreneurial thing they had going on, they would have their table. They could sell their products. And we had uh, different speakers. It could have been on health. It could have been on business. It could have been on whatever was impacting women. Mm -hmm. 
So that, you know, and I met Iyanla, um when did I meet her? In the, in the 70s. So she was doing work in Philly. I was doing work here. So we got together and did a lot of things, retreats. Okay. So it mm -hmm. was like women's, it was all about women's empowerment. And that in was the in, 80s. 80s. in the 80s. In the 80s. So through to the 90s. Then in, by the 90s, I knew that I was going to be going into ministry and my focus could not just be on women. Mm. It had to be on Families everybody because it's a church, uh -huh. you know, it's a, a educational center for everybody. So I haven't uh, done a lot of specialized work in that area, but now it seems like this thing is rising up again. What I thought was going to happen in the 80s, it seems like it's happening now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we were a part of that. Where Whatever the millennials do or the, mm. the people who follow us, we were a part of having a foundation for them to do what they're doing. That's how I look at it. Indeed. Indeed. Mm. So Pullum's Place and all of this, like what, uh, how long did, the, did that organization meet? And, um, for about a year. I mean, for mm. about 10 years. Mm, the 80s. 10 years. And then I went to, uh, yeah, for about 10 years we were doing that. For about 10 years. So yeah, a lot on of Sundays. entrepreneurs mm -hmm. would come and they're different speakers. And yeah, anybody like psych, black psychologists. I mean, we, we needed so many different things. We mm -hmm. had things on menopause and mm -hmm. relationships mm -hmm. and anybody we saw interesting, we would invite them. Mm -hmm. and it was a good, it was a nice, it was networking, mm -hmm. supporting. And transitioning to ministry. That was ministry too. Yeah. Indeed it was. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then transitioning to like, I guess, yeah, because that's definitely a form of ministry, but to ministry for everyone and not so specialized on a group of women, right. even though that does touch everybody. Yeah. What, uh, what was that like? Well, I'm really surprised every day that I'm doing what I do because it wasn't what I thought I was going to be doing. <laughs> Explain. Well, I was at Detroit Unity Temple and I was ministering like once a month and I was traveling. I was doing workshops and seminars okay. and training. And that's what I thought when I finished, that's what I was gonna do. I was gonna still stay there and I was gonna travel and do what I do. But Spirit had another thing in mind. When I finished school, I was tired. So I spent 90 days just praying and meditating. And this is when the, the idea of transforming love came to me. And it should be community not church okay because we wanted to do something you know a lot of people don't want to come to church mm -hmm. we wanted it to be laid back where they can come in their jeans and in the summer they can come in their shorts and you know just loosen this whole thing up you know and we can sing it could be secular songs as long as it's positive mm -hmm. wow. you know we've had hip-hop Sundays so just doing it where we could draw probably the people who are who weren't going to go to church and we have drawn the people. Uh -huh. So many people just never, they have never been in a church because they're not going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now it's about social media because these millennials aren't coming. They're not going to come. And if you don't go where they are, you're going to miss out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you definitely, um, you're active in social media. And yes. You have an active following. Uh, you're consistent in the term that we use in the marketing <laughs> businesses. you making content and you can make Keep making content. I got so much content. That's the thing. Yes. I got content out of the kazoo. I you, do. You do. Like, almost like, yeah, from, from transitioning to going yeah, live, to yeah. different posts, to different memes, to, like, it's like, oh, that's Reverend Stevens. And, then and I, I love it. it. I'm enjoying it. 
But it's the youngsters that, that encouraged me. Okay. It's a young Jalil, he's at the church, and he said, Rev, you know, go do your, do your prayer. Because I've been doing these prayer this one week, the first week of each month. I've been doing that for six years. It was like teleconference, and people were calling in from the islands, from the Virgin Islands. Mm. He says, Rev, do it, do it Facebook Live, do it simultaneously. So, you know, you get those pushes. Right. Which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 And you got to be willing to change, though. You know, so I'm willing and I'm open. Don't take me too fast, but mm -hmm. I'm open to possibilities. So, so virtual <laughs> reality, Reverend Stevens. <laughs> and, and that's what Maybe keeps not you yet. <laughs> that keeps you relevant. That keeps you in the space where where uh, each generation has an appreciation value. I mean, that is... I think one of the challenges, just one, one of the challenges <laughs> that, that the black church is facing in, in a critical way is its unwillingness to bend, to be flexible, to be, um, to be open to new ways to communicate and expect people to come in and fit into your, your, your box. Right. And, and, and those days are over. Yes, and they so are. We, we are seeing church after church lose significant parts of their membership or not it not being renewed so you have a building full of senior citizens yeah and um that's not a sustainable plan no nope. you know everybody needs to be nurtured too but if you're not reaching out to the community and continue to infuse uh your space with with energy and with young people and uh with fresh ideas then it's not sustainable yes and 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 that the the repercussions of our community for that to happen are far and away, in my opinion, more tragic for the black the black community than for any other community because of our our dependence upon the church in terms of what it has done for us historically. Yes. So 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 combating that, I mean, do you do you get in conversations with with your peers around um, the the kind of out of the box work that you're doing and the way you're staying relevant? Are, are your peers? in lockstep with you or are they kicking and screaming <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i have a lot of peers like that no, but, uh, you know, i do not see many other reverends going live certainly <laughs> <laughs> not locally right i just yeah, don't know miss something no <laughs> reverend adams i do not see on my <laughs> but it's it's um it's a great way to to communicate and to communicate to people all over the world it's fascinating Actually, I think, you know, I say to a lot of people, I think this is what uh, Christ was talking about when he said, greater things shall you do than I did. We have more access. Mm -hmm. Yeshua, Jesus the Christ didn't have this access. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. You no, can he, go, he you can go was, right to, uh, from your bed and, and touch the world. Touch get the out world. of here. She had to get up sure. and uh, <laughs> take get, a walk. Get 12 walk. other people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you can only get so far. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to a farm, get some stuff. Yeah. Um, with that, uh, I guess this is the other thing, just like culture has changed too. And I don't know, in this snapshot, I guess this is a question for both of you all. Like, don't you think that, because um, even for even for my friends that I grew up with, like, the ones I find that do go to church are the ones that are starting families. Yeah. And that's that may become more rare, but, like, when that happens, like, when, when marriage happens and a person gets a kid, now it's like, okay, now let's start going to church. Because it's like, you want the foundation mm -hmm. of morality in the child. But I, I mean, I, I do think marriage is happening 
less, I guess, or I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I can't, I don't really have a frame of reference to, for where the snapshot is, but is that, do you think, do you think that's connected maybe to this whole discussion piece? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't seem to me that that's necessarily a new model. Um, you go to, in our community, uh, as I've witnessed it, you go to church when you're a kid because your parent typically drags you kicking and screaming. <laughs> and and, and as, as long as you're living under their roof, you know, you go by their rules. And But when you venture out either to college or or to uh, to work and you're living on your own, you know, that seems to be a pocket where, where you see a lot less mm -hmm. young people engaging, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a new, I don't think that's new. I no. think if you look back through generations, you see that that kind of happens. And then when and then when they meet, reach their next phase in their life, which is typically marriage and then settling that. down and getting children and buying a house and, you know, um, you need a different kind of sustainable space for your own spirit, right? yeah. And you yeah. find yourself yeah. coming back to that grounding that your parents yeah. uh, provided mm -hmm. for you, and 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 that becomes that. That's why the church is so, in my opinion, the church is so important because when we are not able to do that successfully, we impact not only that that adult generation, but we also impact their children because now they're not dragging their children to church. Right. 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 So they're not setting up that same foundation uh, for their children. So when they go through that process, that the kind of logical evolutionary process, they don't wind up back in the space of community. Because what is church beside the spiritual upliftment? Yeah. It's community. It's community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's you. You can't get that on Facebook. Not, no, you not can't. that. Mm -hmm. Not that. That contact. Yeah. Not that. Yeah. 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 I, I just from what I. It, from what I witnessed, that's what I see. Like they'll go back as, like you say, as they'll get older, have children. You know, my friends that are most active in church are also my friends that are married mm -hmm. and have children. Mm -hmm. And single, mm -hmm. single, not married like me. It's like you know, I will sparingly <laughs> go when invited. I'll, I'll probably go, but even then, it'll be like, all right, I got this, this, this. But I'll go. But. And even now, I'm noticing a lot of schools, they're having soccer games and all kinds of stuff on Sundays. There's mm. a lot of activities that usually a child would be at church, but it's like they got, they're, you're other competing stuff. with all this other stuff. Mm. Yeah, on Sundays. That's mm -hmm. interesting. It is. Yeah, that's really interesting. So um, does that mean that, so does that look like the church will catch up and maybe redefine uh, their themselves uh, in a way that is not restrictive to a time and a and a place that would be smart I think because mm -hmm. that's where it's going mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's, it's to do it that old way is you're, you're a dinosaur you become a, a dinosaur mm -hmm. so you got to go where they are mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying if you want to communicate with them so Question, what are you most excited about seeing? Um, first, let's talk about just what what's going on with you? What's happening next with Reverend Stevens? <laughs> then I say Detroit, and then I just say uh, our people in general. So, <laughs> well, so right now, year. right now, my focus is on my parents. I have mm -hmm. a daddy that just turned 90, and my mom is turning 89, and my dad hasn't been well. Mm. And my mom is, she's good, but right now, I and this comes from my culture. I I'm supposed to be with my my people, my my parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm doing all, I believe that 
charity begins at home. If I can be, if I can be in this world and have done all that I've done for all these people and for people I don't even know, I can certainly take out part of my life for my mom and my dad. So mm-hmm. right now, 50% of my time is spent in New Jersey. Two oh, weeks, okay. two weeks here and two weeks in New Jersey. Oh, wow. And I'm thankful to God that God has brought gifted, talented teachers and ministers Mm-hmm. That is their turn mm-hmm. to step up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've been doing this training for within two or three years. So now, in no more training. The, the curtain is open. It's, it's real time. It's time right? to go. <laughs> it's real time. <laughs> it's real time. <laughs> so that's happening. And then, you know, as um, I, I, I'm really, I really want to do more in the social media thing. I really want to teach classes. Mm-hmm. Because I'm figuring anything I anything I have to say can be said mm-hmm. in that medium. Mm-hmm. 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 So I want to do that mm-hmm. because I have a lot of information to share and to pass on. Oh, and wow. even the mentors like uh, Martha Jean and, and Johnny, they don't have a lot that's cataloged. Yeah, mm-hmm. which breaks my heart. Yeah, yeah. so that's what I want to do. Yes, and Reverend Steve has asked me about this, and now in this <laughs> sitting down. <laughs> We will pick this discussion up as I do have access to some stuff I to know. deliver it. Yes, so come on. We Makes we sense. We're do something. Yeah. We, something. Will, we will get that rolling. So um, in reference to just that and in, in seeing uh, the transition of uh, my mom, my aunt, mm-hmm. and just looking at my grand, my grandma get older, um, what I, I just, I know it's kind of like... Um, it's it's a um, it's humbling, and then it's a learning experience because you still like uh, how have you dealt with like caring for someone that you respect and honor, but still wanting to make sure like through their pride that you mm-hmm. are present mm-hmm. and um, and making sure that they can deal with what they're dealing with the right way, but not being overbearing or what do you mean like like because you know like let's use my grandma for example my grandma is um she's 89 Mm -hmm. and uh or 88 she's 88 okay and um she she's stuck in her ways in many Mm -hmm. ways but those ways are what you know she loves yes and then some of it is like okay you know, and then she'll she will give always the context. That's why I appreciate it about like, look, this is why I want to live here. This is how I want to live here, and da 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 da. And I'm like, okay, it would be so much better if you lived on the first floor instead of the fourth floor. But you know, like some of this. So like in learning, because I can only imagine that you you love, you respect your parents, and now it's it's kind of like a changing in that relationship. Yeah, they trust yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, still keeping that love and that respect, and not being overbearing. Wow. Yeah, and it's so, a day by day. It's a it's a it's a it's a day by day thing. Uh, but the thing I keep I keep reminding myself, they are not going to change. They okay. are who they are. They are not going to change, and I can change. So basically, as the as as the mentee. but at some point because the relationship switches you know to Kari's point at some Mm -hmm. point it's no longer child and and parent now the child is the parent and the parent is the child you're gonna have to make some some, decisions and you gotta make some decisions and the decisions are gonna brussel brush up against them in a way that's gonna make them you know not happy 
right? Because it's the antithesis of, of what they want to do. And yet as the child and now the parent, you've got to make those tough calls. I mean, it, it is a, is a crucial space for a caregiver to have to be in when you're caregiving your parent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, um, and so it is, it, 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 there's a lot of, tension. they know I love them. Okay. I, my parents, they know I adore them. So I always keep that there. The only reason why I'm, Whatever is because I love you. Mm -hmm. I'm here, mm -hmm. you know, because I love you. Yeah, we were just having the uh, my granny the the she should not be driving conversation. Uh oh, uh -oh. <laughs> yes, yeah, a tough one. Yeah, uh -huh. that, that just is what it is. That's not gonna be pretty. <laughs> At some point, and I agree yeah. with her. She was yeah. like, yeah, take you know, the keys. Nothing I like yeah, sometimes. She was like, it's nothing like getting up and being able to go to the store when you want to. Oh, for real. And I was for like, sure. you know what, Granny, I agree with you. <laughs> however, however. I didn't have it, however. <laughs> that's, that's, that's tomorrow. We have an hour tomorrow. I, I remember when I had to, we had to take away my mom's keys. Uh, and and that, that was emotionally for me just excruciating. It was excruciating. But, um, you know, we were faced with the decision that she's going to harm herself and harm others probably at the same time if we didn't make that decision you know she was dealing with dementia and so the the aha moment for us was when she went someplace and could not figure out how to Get cut that. the car she couldn't figure out how to cut the car off wow and that was back in the day when, when you had keys right? mm -hmm. and and so she had she called on this strange man walking down the street to help her cut the car off now that it worked out okay, mm -hmm. but that situation could have gone a thousand different ways. Mm -hmm. And and you know, and we were grateful that she cut the car off and went into the doctor's appointment. And the doctor called us and said, "You need to come get your mm -hmm. mom." Your mom. Um, but but and then we had to take the keys from her, and she uh, she was mad, and that's kind of oh, the yeah. calmest way I could say that. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah. But it'll, it'll subside. And it mm -hmm. did. And it it'll did. subside. And, did, and the other things popped, bubbled <laughs> up, and then you know. Um, the work of a caregiver, you know, because I was a caregiver of both my mom and my dad. and By and yourself? Yes. Wow. I mean, I have, a, I have, my brother was in another state, and, um, and in the spirit of transparency and in truth, I think, unfortunately, I think women tend to deal with that better than men. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, that was just, that was the truth that we were working with. And so caregiving for both of them, um, alone with my own support system uh, was was challenging into itself you know? sure yeah, yeah. so I, I, I that's why I go home I'm not gonna allow that just yeah. to be on my sister I'm not gonna it's not gonna go that which like is so that. important oh, I think so um, important. yeah like I've always had a different role than than everybody just as a as a as a male child I think it's just different so like even Thanksgiving, it's like, hey, you can go in another room and watch football. And it's like, all right, come here. My sister got to like make right, sweet potatoes right. and stuff. It's like, yeah. So it's like a different, you know, like a different role. Yeah. That I'm assumed. We've we've fallen into those those gender roles that are are informed by a time gone by. Yeah. And and and, and we both men and women have to be active in redefining what those roles are. I mean, yeah. we saw it happen for men as it pertains to fatherhood, right? Uh, those who are active in fatherhood know that, no, you don't say, uh, honey, the diaper needs to be changed. You get up and you change your child's diaper, mm -hmm. right? I mean, right. and, and or, or you stay at home for six months after your wife has stayed home for six months. 
there's there's more balance. I'm seeing more of that. I'm not yeah, saying that's expanding. The majority, it's but expanding. It is expanding. Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. The the concept in um, just in my lifetime, and like I always say, I'm younger. I don't consider myself young anymore. But being younger, <laughs> it was a point in time where that wouldn't even have been considered. Like that would have been like on sports talk radio as like what crazy concept is happening now. <laughs> that whole concept, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. But that's why marriage is changing. The whole dynamics, mm-hmm. you know. And, and the institution of marriage, too, and I got this from Wayne State, <laughs> that, you know, it had everything to do with economics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. to do with economics. And women at that point were chattel, again. So mm-hmm. I think that women, you know, being able to take care of themselves economically, mm-hmm. they can make some different choices and decisions. Because so many women stayed with people they hated just yeah. because of economics. I, I've... I've given that argument many a times in a lot of the discussions when people say um, old school love. And I'm like, it was a lot of, like, it's a comedian, Gerard Carmichael has this joke, like, <laughs> about that, where he's like, you guys look at your grandma like she was so happy, but have you ever really looked at your grandma? But, <laughs> but he was saying, like, you know, because the, I do think it was like, um, just, and we briefly touched on it, just the objectification of women as society um, conditioned as a man to look at a woman as an object. And in some ways, the woman accepts the idea because marriage is that whole barter. It's like, you know, the, the like, you know, she's property. So, you know, like the, the concept of seeing the humanity and then it being an economic transaction as opposed to like a, like, you know, it, it's more so told in a movie like okay you're building a family and this is love and, and romance that was like what a movie said but yeah. sometimes as a, as a whole our society never really moved forward you know mm-hmm. you know Denzel Washington's character in Fences is a oh whole my. lot closer to what was a real? lot of men that I see today mm-hmm. than you know um, than I don't know. I guess I can't even think about an example. Well, I don't know, Car. You're making me uh, super sad right now. I don't know. I mean, I'm speaking. Um, I'm just speaking on. I'm speaking from. No, I, you know. No, the, I feel you. You know the spectrum of of what I've seen, but it's weird. So, and then I guess the humanity of it is like he may be Denzel from Fences today, and then tomorrow he's Cliff Huxtable from The Cosby Show, and then he's like it's it's like a it's different things for different people. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, I don't know. It's very, it's very unique. So I definitely wonder mm-hmm. in the intentionality. What, what were you going to say? Well, I, I, I think <laughs> the reason why uh, listening to, to Kari makes me a little sad is because he, he is a young man, despite how he perceives his age in the, in the <laughs> scheme of things. Um, and, and. And so it does seem like the fact that, that you or your peers can relate to the character in Fences uh, created in a completely different era means for me that the evolution has, in the best case scenario, been very slow. And in, the, in probably a more truthful scenario, hasn't shifted at all. And so when, when I see men and women in our community uh, not getting it, not loving on each other, not lifting each other. It's it's becoming a little clearer to me why that is. I mean, if men are still intentionally, if your peers are still intentionally in a space of objectifying women, of seeing women in pro- as property in 2018, you know, mm-hmm. even even to articulate it in a symbolic way, right? Even mm-hmm. Even if it's not 
wholly what you you're, you're ascribing to, but just simply going to those terms because we all can understand them. Mm-hmm. It is it is profoundly troubling and earth shaking that if that is the case, how do we ever connect? I, I think I think some of it. Um... Some of it happens is like I'm more intentional about speaking about things that I think are in balance uh, with everything that came out. Um, like the Me Too movement began some of these discussions yeah. mm-hmm. um, and, and and moving, I guess, moving the pendulum forward. Like I felt like I guess like what white people had to feel like in the 60s because it's like, damn, I, I probably wasn't even wow, speaking up about say, a lot yeah. of stuff that I saw. Cause I just accepted it as like That's a, just the a way societal norm uh-huh. when I should have probably been speaking up about some of the behavior. And, um, and I, 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 I do think the, 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 we know that, um, you know, it's like glimpses of, of, of triumph and tragedy, but how do you go through and then we as men just reconditioning how we see ourselves, mm-hmm. how we define ourselves. It's like a journey that we're always going through just in the idea of what it takes to be a man. But, you know, going to any, most of these, you know, daycare centers mm-hmm. can be a very telling perspective. And I mean, that's from like the, the high end community to the low end, like the lower income community, but especially like in a lower income community. And just sitting down and talking to the kids about what's your relationship with your father like it'll be wow. very telling yeah of what i'm saying is not as far out there as possible though i think it's a more embrace of fatherhood but like in that relationship of uh of like man woman relationship have i seen a lot of progression i don't know like i, I don't know I don't know. Reverend Stevens may be able to speak on this more so than <laughs> well, I can. I see some good relationships. I do with with the young people. Uh, Spencer's a great. Oh, he's yes, having a great. Yeah. You know, I guess it's when you're willing to work on yourself. You know, mm-hmm. both people have to be willing to work on themselves and grow. Mm. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. as we talk about grow in a, a complete angle of what's happening in Detroit is this like a narrative of like Detroit is coming back or growing and I don't think it went anywhere but that's a Kari opinion what's your what what do you think's happening next in the city and um <laughs> and what's your opinion it just looks to me well with the, the gentrification and everything that's going on I, I don't know as far as where we're going to be as black people here I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I hear you. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough space to be in as a black person right now in the city. Right now, honestly, it doesn't it feel like it's a bit of a critical moment. It is. Um, if we don't, if we as a community don't begin to garner and value the things that are going to keep us moving forward 
education, right? Mm -hmm. um, cool. Capitalizing on whatever opportunity currently exists so that you can then move and get closer to some opportunity that does not exist. Now, some of it is very systematic and structural and getting to some of that opportunity, your skin's gotta be white and your gender's gotta be male, right? right. But, but there's, still, there's still things that we can do um, that we're not doing. Right. And with each day that we continue to not do them, we get further and further away from our opportunity to be in this city, to be in this space in five years, 10 years, 20 wow. years, because we won't have the capacity to, the, the fiscal capacity, right. if nothing else, to, to be able to afford the spaces that we've been holding down. Damn, all these years, <laughs> yeah. That, that's still here, because we here, right? We're gonna, we're gonna end up being set aside yet again. Set aside yet again. Be and there's some work that we can do. Uh, that's deep. I never looked at it like that. So basically, it's like you're saying, like, we may not be able to get, okay, we may not be able to get right now an active seat at table A. But if we don't if we don't get moving on things now, we may not end up at table D. Ain't gonna right. be no table. We're gonna be, be in no a blank table. room with no walls, right? <laughs> right. And in another place completely. Mm -hmm. And and what we and we give we we're not understanding our own power. And we are a powerful people. Yes, we, we are. have got a lot listen, from an economic standpoint and when we pool ourselves, when we think collectively as a unit and not individually, what we have the capacity to do, we've not even come close to. Right. We haven't even come close to it because we haven't done that work. But when we are not willing to do just some of the core things, and that's when I was at, that's kind of what I meant when I asked you, if you, if you don't see yourself as a a person of influence. If you've not, if you've been in an environment where a person of influence, or a person of means, or a person of substance, and, and and those words you can deconstruct that however you want, but if if you've not been in that space and you've only been around anger and lack and yeah. confusion That's and foolishness, mm -hmm. how in the world do you do you rise above that? I mean, some do, right? Yeah, but I'm talking yeah. masses. Some is not going to be right, sufficient. Right. It, we need to bring bring the whole family with us. And so, how do you how do you get them to that next level so that they can see their own value, their own potential, their own beauty? If 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 it's con continually being told to them that they have none. And I know your your story um, seems to me is one of those stories that can give people hope and light, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. of what of your experience and what you had to go through in dealing with the abuse that that you encountered and what you and and how you move from here to here, right? Yeah. And community, it goes back to the different things that are going on in the community. Because look at when we were coming up, so much was going on in the community. We were seeing so much with the real Black Panthers <laughs> and, and Muslim. It was still about, <laughs> it was still about, uh, you know, Black and I'm proud and, 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 you know, being able to see some positivity about who we are as Black people. There was just a lot going on. It's not going on now. I don't know if we're just hypnotized by Trump or what, but. We did seem to lose our footing very fast. Yeah, didn't we? I think we've just in shock. Well, you know, <laughs> what is you say the word all the time? It's not tragic. What is the word for? Uh, um, we've been harmed. We've been. We've been uh, traumatized. Tra yeah. The trauma. The yeah. trauma. Yeah, Thank yeah you. The, trauma. the trauma that that we have dealt with. Mm -hmm. Listen, it's still very topical. Yeah, we, ha we haven't mm -hmm. had an. We haven't had. We that. haven't had a break. That's exactly every it. day. Yes, uh -huh. and so and so when a Trump <laughs> is able to come back into office and and do. 
the in, just to do what, everything that he, no. I, I can't even the words won't even come out because otherwise I'll start using profanity. But right. to, to, to do <laughs> no. the things that he does, and we sit back and we feel powerless around it. We we are we have reactivated our trauma. Mm-hmm. And has rendered us very, very much so. Yeah. Like I think uh, what Donald Trump was like was, um, and we're definitely in overtime. But here's another analogy for you. I had uh, <laughs> it was a time where I thought I had one mouse and I thought I got rid of him. <laughs> and I went out of the sink and then I saw two. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> killing me. <laughs> it was like it was like with Barack Obama, we had that comfort of like, Psh, all right, I got rid of that mouse. I know how to, I know how to exterminate. <laughs> sure. like, oh, this is America. <laughs> Should have yeah. known it. Yeah. Should have known it. Yeah. So, so it's it's a it, it's it's almost like a rallying cry. You you even said, um, I think it was like both of you all touched on the ego thing too. Which sometimes I, I may see the glass a little bit more half full because there are some uh, there's some organization that is building in some direction. Yeah, I, I wish that in some of these organization that I'm building, and it may be just my passion for history and Detroit's Black history, but it's a lot of people that just think this stuff comes out of like no context mm-hmm. and not necessarily saying just because. Um, you know, uh, the Black Panthers did exist. Should they be the lead advisors for <laughs> Black Lives Matter? Right, no. right. I hear but you. If, but at least the Panthers could sit down and say, all right, look, this is what we dealt with. This is how we dealt with it. Right. Let's remove our egos the right. same way Black Lives Matter would have to remove their egos to say, because it's not even really about the name on it. As I've seen a lot of uh, people in the freedom fights and struggle fights that are so worried about their name being on the flyer yeah. for a march. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, hey man, is this for black people or is this for <laughs> is this for your ego? Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So like yeah. mm-hmm. uh but I've seen some I have seen like in seeing the glass half full, um really Trayvon Martin was the rallying cry that Ooh, I saw a God. lot of young people yeah. speak to me as people look at me like Man, you're like that black revolutionary. Like, I have more phone calls of like, what do you think about this? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. than I generally would get. And yeah. then since then, I'll get more and more phone calls where people will ask like, what's your opinion? And these are just like, like you know, homies on the block, not like, okay. you know, newspapers or anything, but just regular people that would have just, you know, been spending their weekend partying. Right. That before they party, they, they, they're referencing this. And now I can... Maybe I gotta step up game and be like, okay, this is what I think, but you should also mm-hmm. read this. <laughs> but well, and you say you say reading, you're right. We're over time, but I I do want to just um, say when because you, you also said something about organizing, you know, and I think one of our powers uh, as a community is organizing as a community. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was talking with a friend who is a community organizer, and she was sharing the, the challenge that she has going back to not not really pushing ourselves to be our best selves in her community their illiteracy is 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 substantial yeah so if you have a community where illiteracy is is half the the people that you're representing then there is the limitations become evident very quickly as to what can happen so now you you've done your you the harm is that uh even with your voice that you have if you don't have the skills to uh, to to syncretize your voice in a way 
uh, and to actualize your, your and communicate in a way that uh, gets your point across, you, you're still without. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so the communities that are trying to save themselves from some of this gentrification that makes them feel like they're going to be marginalized yet again, traumatized yet again, their intent is good, their heart is good, but their skill set is lacking. Yeah. And if you don't have a group of folk that are willing to step in and help with that skill set, well, that's problematic as well to have somebody else come in to help do you do your stuff, right? Because you start to feel like advocating, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's a cycle that that it's like I don't even know how to begin to break it. Um, I know we have to get Reverend Stevens to come back. Yes, yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. I'd love to come back. So um, we got to just do what we got to do where we are. Bloom where you are. Do what you can where you are. Mm-hmm. Indeed. How do uh, how do people get in contact with you? Uh, www.shahira.com. Okay. And then also <laughs> the book, um, The Wealth of a Spiritual Woman, Access mm-hmm. Your Riches Within, Reverend Shahira Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll have a link so you can... Go to it, purchase the book, yep. and support. Find out more, and you need to start following her on social media as well. Yeah, have Thanks. fun there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Oh, for thank, you. thank you. This is thank awesome. you. <laughs> what a treat. What a blessing. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.